But I was always wondering, like, what, because, you know, you're getting one side, you know, and a lot of men are in this situation where you get the side of your moms for most of your life. You don't get dad's side, at least not objectively. Uh, it usually takes some time. And, you know, that's why I encourage young men, like, give it time. Like, your your dad, let him speak because he does. There's, there's about a 90% chance he does love you. It's just what the circumstances made him have to make a tough decision. And as you get older, you'll realize you'll make tough decisions and you'll either be, you'll see yourself in that situation as a man. Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. It's Lisbeth again. Thanks for being here at the podcast. And don't forget, I have a pretty massive backlist now of more than 100 episodes you can enjoy. I'm really excited today to have Ahmad Vital with us. Ahmad is a motivational consultant. Oh, I'm having internet problems today. Let's see. Okay, so I'm so excited to have Ahmad Vital with us today, and I am hopeful that this recording turns out well. Okay, let's talk. Okay, it's Lisbeth. I'm hopeful this is going to work out for us because I'm having internet problems. I have Ahmad Vital, who's a motivational consultant, international speaker, and the author of a new book. He likes to provide his clients with tools needed to achieve personal success. At the back of all of his work really is a story of forgiveness, a story of finding hope where other people would find none, and just an amazing guy. So let me let him into the room, please. All right, persisters and brothers, I gave you a bit of an introduction to our distinguished guest, Ahmad Vital. I mispronounced his last name, but Ahmad is that motivational consultant, international speaker, and author. He does so much great work, but even before he began that great work, there is a great story. And Ahmad, welcome to Persistence Youth. Thanks so much for your time and for being here. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Please tell me before, what made you get interested in the work that you do today? And we'll break the work down a little bit more later. Well, the main thing that I always, that I start with is that I started off as a writer. I mean, I had a pen in my hand. I like people started walking and I had a pen and a pad probably soon after I started walking. I don't know the exact date when I had my pen in my hand, but I know I was, I was actively writing probably about the age of eight. Um, wrote my first book when I was 10 or 11, um, never published it, but I did, I did write a full book, uh, at that time that I did nothing with, but I've always been into writing. I, I went into journalism and obviously from high school, took that all the way through college and majored in that. 
And when I came out of college, I, I took a, a small community newspaper job where I was working a, a beat for news in one area and I was working sports in another. And so I started connecting with athletes. Obviously, at that time, it was athletes in the high school realm. And so I did that for many years. I packaged that into working with more football players. Okay. And, and so going into college football recruiting with the rivals and the scouts and the Fox Sports Southwest. And then I just started noticing that I really did gravitate to, to young men quite a bit. Uh, through sports, because I'm a former jock myself. I played college football. So my love for 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 youngsters was always starting at a very early age. And obviously some tragedies that happened, which which, you know, brought about Awaken the Baller Within. And it was a book that was created from the idea that, you know, just like Napoleon Hill did with millionaires, I did with uh, high end football players. And so I wrote a book that was basically based on the idea of the mental aspect as to how you're successful on the football field. Some people even label it like the athlete's life manual. Okay. Because it was only using football as a metaphor. And as I started getting into obviously more keynote speaking, started doing more consulting and things of that nature, and, you know, branching out into all different fields, I started realizing that the common denominator I was dealing with was youth. I was dealing with teenagers through young adults. That was the common denominator, whether it was nonprofits, whether it was universities, whether it was sports, whether it was church and ministry, like everything involved young people. And I was like, you know what, maybe maybe this is my calling. Maybe this is where God is calling me to be. And I'm going to lean into it. And like now I'm just like I'm just wide open, very transparent and saying, like, yes, this is what I'm here for. And this is what I do. I do work with people who are you know, closer to my age and things of that nature. But um, I'm very concerned about the generation behind us. Oh, yes. uh, extremely concerned about the generation behind us because many of the things that are going on now, um, they, they, um, I'm not gonna say they upset me, but right. Whatever's right before you're upset is where I am with the way they're treating youngsters, uh, especially young men, mm-hmm. um, but they're not doing, they're doing a disservice to young ladies as well. So I got into this line of work because time after time, after time, young people kept being the common denominator and, Once I did that and started leaning more into the ministry, then I took it more as a calling. It was something bigger than myself. And I love that your story has, you know, I mean, sometimes when we have a heart for working with people of a certain age, it's because when we were that certain age, we sort of wish there was someone there for us to help us. And, you know, and it seems like your story includes that you did find those people that, you know, you were a young man who did benefit from having someone to lean into and to get mentored by. Is that correct? Yes. And and I, and I always gladly say that I'm, I'm, I'm the product of two fathers. Um, I love it. And you, don't, you know, I don't use the step label and things of that, la- that nature, but both of those men create the man who you see on the screen right now and who people see on a weekly basis. Um, you know, it was very, it was, you know, Come from a nice, nice family. Mother and father created me. And then, but my dad was uh, one of the early pioneers, uh, the early African-American pioneers in the petroleum industry field. He's wow. in the for the second uh, okay. in the country's history. And so that brought a demanding amount. And I know a lot of your fans, your audience can attest for, you know, men who are in engineering, men who are in leadership, like that requires a lot out of you. And when you're young, you don't quite understand that. You know, we're talking about, you know, mid 80s, early 90s. 
Like, right. you know, dad's not home. Dad's out of town. Dad's home only four times a year. And, you know, I found out later that there was a there was a line in the sand somewhere between 10 and 11 where my mother and father, um, my dad had gotten some opportunities overseas and wanted to move us overseas. And uh, my mother being a, a, a school teacher of just retired recently after 42 years. Um, this woman, yeah, she's, yeah, she's, she's, wow. a, she's a born and bred teacher. Like, I mean, she, you, you, you carve out the prototype of a teacher and it's my mother, like wow. just everything about her stickers, um, you know, enough pins to, to, you know, fund and put enough pins in the hands of everyone in Germany. That's how my mother operates, but that's a whole other conversation. But, um, that my father wanted us to move overseas and my mom just wasn't, um, wasn't, wasn't, didn't want to do that at the time. And so, you know, the split had happened and not long after that, she, she remarried and we rebuilt another family. But I was always wondering like what, because, you know, you're getting one side, you know, and a lot of men are in this situation where you get the side of your moms for most of your life, you don't get dad's side, at least not objectively. Uh, It usually takes some time. And, you know, that's why I encourage young men, like give it time. Like your, your dad, let him speak because he does. There's about a ninety percent chance he does love you. It's just what the circumstances made him have to make a tough decision. And as you get older, you'll realize you'll make tough decisions, and you'll either be you'll see yourself in that situation as a man. Um, and so they obviously um, had split up. I, you know, I was raised by another another man who who picked up the mantle, and and it was amazing. You know, Vital came in and you know brought me into the sports game and. And it, it it was good. And so, like, you know, now that I can look back at it, you know, from a full 180, having two fathers, having my mom split, you know, losing my dad in the way I, uh, in the way I did, um, you know, about 11 years ago, all of that stuff was for the good, you know, and it and it's, you know, it goes back to, you know, even like now my faith or whatever, you know, you know, it says, you know, God does everything for the good of his people, for those who love him and all that tragedy. Like people say, you know, what, what would you change in your life? And I'm like, nothing, nothing, you know, it's, it's, you you know, you feel like, man, I mean, I probably could have made a few less mistakes, but then again, where's your testimony? Where's your platform to speak to others? Where is you reaching back and finding the eight year old version of you and helping him through a struggle? Right. That's, that's the beautiful thing. Cause the, you know, uh, one of my, one of my pastor buddies told me something recently the one thing you can't learn is experience. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> you can't learn like you can't be twenty five and and and, ha- and and be as wise as someone forty three. It just can't happen, right? You know. Now you can have some wisdom, but there's some wisdom that you just can't be taught, right? Life has to give you that. There's things there's things that men will experience in their thirties that you didn't experience in your twenties, and. Someone can tell you all day, but until you see it in real time, you will never know. And so, you know, the 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 power balance between my two fathers is is every bit of what pours into me today. And I pour out to young men and women on a on a weekly basis. I love that. And the work that I used to do with juvenile delinquents, you definitely see there are so many kids who don't know one or both parents, especially their fathers, no question. It's more likely that they'll have a father that is not in their lives, but it leaves such a hole. And I love that you found someone who stepped up, like you said, to the mantle, but you still left space to re-get to know 
your father and hear more about him later on? I mean, that had to be pretty life defining. Well, yeah. And, and, and that was that the conversation with my birth father is what led to I Am More Than Enough, which was my second book. Because like, you know, he and I, you know, he's he's in his 70s. I'm in my 40s. And, you know, we we go back and forth now and we talk about how, you know, how did we get here? Right. You know, because when when he when he and I reunited, when I was graduating from college, you know, we sat down at the bar. You know, I, I had worked at a sports bar in Nacogdoches, Texas. And I was just like, all right, man, you got the floor, like fill in every blank feeling all of it. Cause I've only heard mom's side for 10 years. Give right. me yours. I'm willing to hear out everything. And the beautiful thing was that when I heard it, I was just like, wait a minute, mom maybe left that out and that, and yeah. that, you know what, let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just throw the legal pad away. Let's just, let's, let's start over. And so he and I reconciled in that spot, but I had the question. I said, dad, you know, I get all of that. I said, but where'd you go? Like, you know, I was, you know, there was a little hole, there was a hole. I was like, you know, that I feel like maybe, you know, you could have sent a pigeon, a postcard, something. Yeah. And he was sending me birthday cards uh, regularly. Nice. But after I'm sitting there trying to figure all this out, he just looked at me and just said, now what? And I was like, hold on. Like we have an eight year gap, 12 year gap. And all you can say is, okay. Now what? <laughs> and at the time I was like, I should take you out back and we should handle this. You know, as men, we should, we should have a duel. But then I was, I realized it didn't take me long to realize like, yeah, life can be tough. Sometimes life can be challenging sometimes, you know what? And I'm, and I hope it's okay. Like if I can use this word, it's not profanity, but like life can like absolutely suck sometimes. Yep. <laughs> and but at the end of the day, who's in the mirror has to live with it. You know, right. I mean, you know, you don't understand where that kid came from. I do, but I want that kid to go somewhere. Right. Because you can be mad at your parents all you want. You don't get to choose them. You don't get to choose your family. And I'm pretty sure you and your audience, you probably have some people in your family like, you know, hey, can I, you know, can I trade her for someone? Yes. You know, you know, this aunt over here who's, you know, been a menace my whole life. She's not cool. She's not pleasant. Yet I have to see her four times a year. I'd rather her not be there. Maybe, you know, maybe there's somebody who feels that way. And I'm not saying like they don't deserve to be there because everyone deserves being your life. But it, like, right. Not everyone likes everyone in their families. Sure. But still, if your parents didn't treat you right, coaches didn't treat you right, your employer doesn't treat you right. At the end of the day, the person in the mirror is all you have to deal with. That 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 literally is it. And I know some people come from some pretty bad places. But still, it's you. Right. right. You're in that spot. And, you know, I have one of the principles I use. It's called it's not your fault, but it is your problem. I like if you're, that. If you if you're a nine year old and your mom's on drugs and your dad's in prison, that's not your fault. But it's your problem. Right. And you and, and, and you can't. You can't change that. You could change your mindset of it. You could change, you know, your social circle and things around you. But you don't get to do a mulligan on your parents or on any of those types of things. And so I teach from that standpoint that like, you know, I feel you. But what are we going to do now that you got this pile of mess in your living room that you didn't cause? And so that that's where I see life from the standpoint of 
you know, focusing obviously on gratitude, like, hey, everything around me is just total garbage. But is there any good in this garbage? Right. Is there something in there that's salvageable in this garbage? You know, someone, you know, you you, you burn an area, up, a, a building you like burns down. Is there anything salvageable in there? You know, like like Napoleon Hill said, hey, there's some diamonds in there. Hey, dig for those diamonds because they're still in there. Right. It may be the only thing that was salvageable in this. But we have to see life from that standpoint that like, where is anything that's worth keeping? What do I still have that I can't control? My mindset, my weight, my, you know, my, my, my trajectory in life, the opportunities that I look at, I look at my situation and say, what's the best course of action to get out of this garbage I'm in? Right. And that's, and that's what I learned from the, 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 the parallel between two fathers, because I had struggled with both of them. And it's just like, all right, let's just put all this in a pot of gumbo and let's see what we have. There's a, there's a dish to be made and a dish to be enjoyed. But you have to go through the struggle. You have to go through the pain. You have to go through the the, the moment where you have to rely on something bigger than yourself. Yes. And that's why I look at my two fathers as a blessing. One has moved on and one is still here with me. The, the two people who created me and gave me life are still on this earth. I need to embrace that, right? For as long as I can. They're a blessing. Even though I look at them sometimes and say, you know, that was probably a bad choice you made when I was like 10 years old. You know, what you did at 17 was not cool. But I love you through it all. Right. And that's where we have to get to the point where we where we look in the mirror and we take responsibility for everything, the good, bad, the ugly, the worse than ugly, mm-hmm. and just and just take it all in and see if there's some good that can come out of that. I like it. And I also just, you know, I met my own dad when I was 20. So it's the first time I met my biological dad. And then that began a deterioration of my relationship with my mom, having learned all the truths that you talked about, like, oh, However, I will say for some of us, it's not possible and not always even just our choice that we don't have a relationship with both of our parents, but we can still be proud of our history and be proud of that parent. And, you know, I used to say to kids that I worked with who had sometimes had parents who were incarcerated most of their lives, that doesn't mean you have to hold that shame. You can still be proud because they're yours. That's enough to celebrate right there is that that it's yours, you're special. That makes something good right there. It doesn't mean you love everything they've done or if they've chosen to be away from you, that's, that hurts. That's painful. That's real. But like you said, you've got a house that burned down. What is salvageable? What can we celebrate? What can we build from? And I like that you're doing that in your work. Well, I mean, let's just go to the foundation of it. Regardless of how you were conceived, they gave you life. Right. You know, you know, and obviously, you know, I don't want to go down that path too much, but you know, you people who were brought into the world maybe on a crime of some kind. We don't need right. word, but and it and it's like it's like, ugh, whatever. Yeah. But as bad as it is, they did give you life. And you like you, you like you say, you don't have to love it. Right. But you wouldn't be here without it. And it's not your shame to carry. It's not your shame. I think that's the no. biggest thing. It's not a shame of yours to carry. No. And the beautiful thing is, it's working with you. Um, if they're of a certain age, I get to work with their parents because their parents book hire me to work with them. Oh. And what I, what I found is, is that most people, most, most parents are like literally almost killing themselves to try to do right by their children. Mm-hmm. Most parents are not, 
in this to just be horrible and just do wrong. Like they do, they do the best they can right. with what they have. You know, it's like, I look back at my folks sometimes I'm like, why didn't they teach me that? It's like, maybe they didn't know. Right. Like you don't know what you don't know. Right. But your parents, most of the times, and even the estranged mother or the estranged father, they're doing the best they can and they want to do right by you, but they don't know how. Right. Right. I don't think people understand a lot of times when, if you go by the natural progression of life, most people have children at a, at a point where they don't know a lot. Right. You, know, you know, let's say you have your kid, your first kid at 24. No, no offense. You're still like, you're not experienced in life. You're learning life while trying to bring up another one. Right. So I teach a lot of my teens now, like, hey, you know what? Why don't you go in there and tell your parents you love them? Why don't you go in there and tell your father, I love you? I was like, th- I was like, they literally kill themselves on a daily basis to provide for you. Can you show them some grace? Just a little bit. I think they just des- they deserve that because they're literally falling over themselves to try to do things. You know, probably about three years ago, I um I was dating a woman and she had told me about the um something called mom guilt. I had never heard of mom guilt. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is it? And it's like the idea that no matter how much a, a mom provides for a kid, they always feel like they're lacking. Right. And I'm and, and she was telling me a lot of women feel that way. It's like you're giving your kid the world. And you still feel like it's not enough. And it's like you never feel like you arrive. And so now knowing that context and knowing that, you know, fathers, my goodness, you know, you're carrying the world, you know, it's selfless. You know, society's throwing bananas and tomatoes and bricks at you at, on every uh, every turn. Like you're not doing enough. And it's just like, my goodness, you know, I just built that entire road over there. And, you know, uh, just, just a pat on the back would have been great. And I, I tell them all the time, like, just go in there and just. Tell them you love them and ask them if there's anything you can do for them. Right. Like, because they get, they literally give their lives for you and, and you're mad because you didn't get Captain Crunch. Like we need to, we need to start showing our fathers and mothers more grace and, and understanding that mostly they're doing the best they can, even in the situation you were dealing with with your juveniles. Like, yeah, they made the mistake to end up in the place they are, but like, did they really want to be there? They, 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 they made a mistake that they thought they could get away with or intentionally did something and they didn't know the ramifications of what would happen. And then like now life hits them and it's like, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But I don't think that at the very core, they're just that evil and demonic. There might not no, saying there's not some, there's some people who right. are down the rabbit hole pretty far. There's not but, a shortage of those, but. But, <laughs> but most, but mostly, right. mostly I, I, I believe God created us to be pretty good humans. Right. right. For the most part, you know? And so, and even if they're not, you still, we're still called to show them grace. We're still showed to, told to love them. What do you think forgiveness is? Forgiveness is that forgiveness is that I love you. Despite the fact I see the receipts of what you've done. It is not that awesome, right. but we are still supposed to love them in that spot. Right. Absolutely. And I think that that is such a great story, the tale of your two dads and then where that's taken you with your work. Can you tell us about your book that just came out and where listeners can connect with you to know how to book you for speaking or working with you or to get a book? Thank you. Thank you. The the newest book is Now What? Five Steps to Get Up and Create the Most of Life. Uh, Recently um, been out about a month. Okay. And, and it's, it's available on all the platforms. So whatever your favorite bookstore is, 
you know, go to it. You know, there's a number of them out there. I know it's online, available in at least 30 plus areas, so they can pick that up. Um, but it really focuses a lot on the idea of where you are and where you are trying to go. And we go through the whole process, whether you're someone, like you said, who came through the juvenile, the juvenile mm-hmm. system, you know, from, from an early age up to now, or, you know, maybe you had kids before you were ready. You know, right. maybe, maybe, you know, you, you're in a situation where you've just made so many mistakes and you realize like, wow, I've not accomplished much. And so we go through a five-step process and, you know, I'll briefly go through them. Obviously you want to, you want to reflect. First thing you need to do is like, okay, there's a pile of mess around me. How did we get here? You know, that there's a, there's a bag over there. I don't even know what's in there. And so right. you go through a reflection stage where you say, okay, you own it. You look in the mirror and you own all the mess around you, even if you didn't create it. Then you go into decide. Okay. We reflected. It looks mm, kind of, uh. now we need to decide, well, what do we want to do? Cause what we're doing doesn't work right? or did it. But what's next? Now what? And so we decide. And then after that, you know, you plan. That's when you start going into the mind maps. That's when you start going into the, um, you know, maybe laying out a business plan, maybe laying out some goals and saying, hey, you know, what's, you know, and I, and I want your audience to understand the difference between possible and probable. You know, obviously the famous scripture says we got all things are possible, but at the same time, God gave you five senses, right? Like as much as I would love to, like, I'm probably never going to go into space as an astronaut. I'm not, I, I just feel like that's not going to be in my cards, but you, it may be something you want to do, but possible. Yes. Probable. Like let's find something that you can, you can work with. And obviously after you put together your plan, now it's time to get moving. It's time to go into action and yes, get off. You plan, 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 plan. Now it's time to move. And the, and the final one, and I think it's probably one of the most important ones is to seek, to seek counsel. No one lives on an island. We live in a communal society. And I know society is trying to break that apart. We want to break down communities. We want to break down the family. And you want to be like, oh, you know, it's YOLO. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I want to do this on my own. No one does. You're lying to yourself if you think you live life by yourself and that you need no help. That is one of the biggest lies this society has sold everyone, especially the generation behind us. Like, I don't need anyone. Yes, you do. Right. You know what else you need? You need people to pick up, you know, trash in your neighborhood, right? You need someone to come pick up the garbage. You need someone to to uh, to to manage the the stoplights in your area. So stop acting like you do this thing called life alone. You know, get part of a community center, get part of a church, get part of something to where there's a community of people around you. I've recently said that, like when, especially when it comes to young men, young men, even if you have a father in the home, you need a council of at least three righteous men around you in different areas and different industries of life. We need that, right? And young ladies, find some, find some, some, some nice, spiritual, valued, high value women to be around you and show you how to do this thing called life. You cannot figure it out on your own. On your own, TikTok is not going to teach you. Social media is not going to teach you. <laughs> exactly right? right. You need you need righteous people around you in your corner. And so, seek counsel is the last one. And your audience can find me at uh, amadvital.com. That's a h m a r d v i t a l dot com. And it's amadvital everywhere. Whether you're talking about Facebook, Instagram, uh, any of the platforms, amadvital. There's no alias uh, to me. But amadvital.com is going to be the hub to be able to, to find that. And obviously, book now, uh, now what book is available on all the platforms that, where you can buy books. And okay. so um, I, I'm grateful. Uh, get your copy, please. Uh, let me know what you think. You know, leave a review. 
Uh, we're still in the early stages of the release. It's been a month and three days. It's pretty exciting. That's so exciting. It may be a little longer by the time before this post. So it's never too late, folks, to get your book and post a review. I mean, this matters so much to authors. It does. And and, and I'm great. And I'm grateful for that. I mean, if they want to get a quick preview uh, copy, Elizabeth, they can they can go to booknowwhat.com. Okay. Just check it out. Um, my, my publisher made that available to them to go to go get a quick preview copy, look it over digitally and see if there's something in there. It really does come down to a, a manual for 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 young adults. And my publisher was like, it's a manual for young men. That's the way she had paid it. After right. Her. Okay. But it does work for everybody. But I the, love it. The, the Thank you so much for being here. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.